This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I guess the time has come for us all to, you know, wish Paxton Lynch the best of luck <laughs> in his new NFL destination, his new, his second NFL job ever. It is done. The Pax and Lynch watch is over with. The former Broncos bust finally landed a new job. He's with the uh, the Seattle Seahawks now, signed into a reserves future contract and uh, get a chance to back up Russell Wilson potentially. You know, I wish uh, hopefully he carves out a little role for himself. You know, I don't hold any ill will toward him personally. He was a bust in Denver, arguably one of the worst quarterbacks of all time here. But uh, hopefully he can carve out a role in Seattle. Hey, but at least he's tall. You know, where where Wilson's lacking in, in the inches there. You know, Paxton can make up for that. But, you know, here's the thing about Paxton. We're not going to spend time on this. Just one quick aside. is It's like he gets a completely bum rap and deservedly so for his brief career in Denver as a complete first-round bust. But as a physical specimen, a thrower of the football, he was a very talented and is a very talented dude. It's just unfortunate that, A, he lacked what he does between the ears, and, B, the Broncos so badly botched his development and the way that they handled him and Simeon. And then even this time last year, the only reason they didn't take a quarterback at pick five, Zach, was because Paxson was still on the roster. Very short term, they ended up cutting him a few months later, but you wish that they would have at least made that decision earlier to cut him, and then that way they could have grabbed Josh Rosen or parlayed some picks to move up and get Sam Darnold or something. Yeah, we can't really look backward. I mean, what happened is what happened, and they had a lynch on the roster, didn't work out. Um, and, you know, like I said, I wish him well. And, and the Broncos, you know, a lot of Broncos fans blame him solely. But like you said, the coaching staff and the development of Paxton Lynch was horrific. It was awful. It was god-awful. So uh, I just want to remember one thing about Paxton is that trees don't grow in shade. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We do have a lot to get to today, a lot of haps uh, around Broncos HQ this past Lots week. Lots of haps. Uh, a lot of storylines we're going to touch on. We're going to break down the coaching staff. We're going to get to a VIP-centric mailbag here at the end of the show. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's where, even if you're not a VIP subscriber, that's where you can get in your questions for the Mile High Mailbag. Also, take some time, if you haven't done it, help us out. Leave a creative review and rate the show, especially if you're a listener on iTunes or Stitcher. Very important. Helps us to grow and reach new listeners. So let's dive in, Zach, to some of the news that broke over this last week. Of course, as far as the NFL is concerned, it's all about the pre-draft process right now, aside from you know the AFC and NFC Championship games that are happening this weekend. Uh, but the Denver Broncos are on site or were on site at the East-West Shrine game. And out of that, some news broke that not, you know, I think mostly Broncos country was split, just kind of reading the tea leaves of the social media response and comments we were getting. But one piece of news broke from Tony Pauline, who during draft season, for whatever it's worth, 
He's a pretty uh, resourceful guy in terms of picking up buzz. He's got a lot of contacts. He's been in the draft business a long time. And Great he's follow. Tied, he's tied to a lot of scouts and guys that are currently working for teams and also front office people that are currently working or at one point used to work in NFL front offices. And what he reported is that the Denver Broncos, Zach, are one of six teams that are going to basically be in the Joe Flacco sweepstakes when the Baltimore mm. Ravens release him later on this spring. What are your thoughts on the idea? Now, we'll, you know, we can touch on what it means with for Case Keenum and how you could fit him and can you fit them both. But what were your thoughts when that particular nugget broke? I hate it. I don't like it at all. It's it's another band-aid. It's another, you know, hold the fort quarterback. It wouldn't even be an upgrade on Case Keenum. Yeah. Would you say that's an upgrade? It wouldn't even it wouldn't even be a lateral move. It'd be a downgrade in my opinion. I do not like it at all. They have to find youth. They have to find innovation and a cutting-edge quarterback in today's NFL. Joe Flacco, who got beat out by Lamar Jackson, who was as raw as a thrower as they come in the NFL, is not does not bode well for his NFL future. They do not need more backups or more below average starters or more band-aids they need a young franchise quarterback be it on a roster right now or through the draft either now or later on but it cannot be joe flacco i hate that rumor i mean flacco if you're looking at pros you know pros and cons flacco at least has more bona fides and he's a proven starter a perennial starter as opposed to case keenan being the career backup journeyman you know one year wonder guy but at bottom, they're basically the same caliber of quarterback. At this point in their respective careers, they're nothing more than stopgaps. That's it. And yet, Joe Flacco, when he does hit the market, he's going to command a contract north of $20 million per year APY. The Broncos, after what they just went through with Case Keenum, and especially still owing him $7 million guaranteed this coming season, there's no reason to go out and pursue a guy who's, as you said, it's a lateral move. You're not pushing the, the franchise forward. Now, if you were able to, when the new league year kicks off, quickly deal or trade Case Keenum against all odds, and you had a clear plan in place or maybe some promising uh, conversations you've had with someone that's in front of you in the draft there, maybe in the top five, that you're relatively confident you're going to be able to land a quarterback early, maybe I could come around to the idea of, hey, Joe, you come in on kind of a Keenum-esque type deal, two years, you know, we're going to pay you uh, 30-something million dollars, here's how much that's guaranteed. You're going to start in 2019, and then, you know, you're going to groom the guy to maybe take over for you halfway through the season, but for sure in 2020, we got a plan in place. I could maybe be talked into that, but on on the surface, I'm with you, Zach. It's like, it's a completely lateral move, and it's one of those things, to be frank, I'll believe it when I see it. No, you know, no offense to Tony Pollian, who's a great fall. You know, I think he'll settle for less than what he would get as a starter Flacco normally, unless it's a quarterback needy team just, you know, throws a blank check at him. Even so, though, I mean, why would you hand him millions of dollars when you already have a hold the fort veteran guy on the roster who knows the system? Why would you just get him out of there and bring another guy on? It's, it's not even a lateral move to me. The Broncos at the, the East-West Shrine game, they also reportedly met with uh, Brett Ripien. Mm-hmm. He's he. I'd rather the Broncos draft him in the sixth round and pay him pennies than throw millions of Flacco. I, mm-hmm. I'd rather anything for a young quarterback on this roster. That's why Chad Kelly hurt so much. That's why Paxton Lynch hurt so much. They don't have hope right now. And Joe Flacco, to me, does not inspire hope. And there's no one in the Broncos building with Kubiak gone 
that would make sense or time here. It's a loose rumor, and I think Pauline, and I respect him as a scout and what he brings to the table. I just think he linked Flacco to a bunch of quarterback needy teams, or his agent did. I don't think the the Broncos, based on what Elway has said recently, will be in on a veteran quarterback, especially not Joe Flacco. There's one veteran QB that I would throw money at this offseason, and that's Nick Foles. Flacco, Tannehill, none of them move the needle for me at all. Yeah. Well, let's talk about hope because in a very illuminating conversation, I was quite surprised at how much John Elway kind of let let slip in his this conversation with Peter King. He talked about Case Keenum as a quote-unquote short-term fix, and there was actually two particular storylines that came out of his remarks with uh, Peter King that we're going to talk about here today. Uh, but first, let's talk about the implications of what he said. I mean, obviously when the Broncos signed Case Keenum to only a two-year deal, Everybody knew, even with their best, um, you know, most optimistic outlook on Keenum, that two-year deal means short-term, obviously, right? It wasn't a long-term contract. Even the, the deal that Kirk Cousins signed in Minnesota, technically, it was a short-term deal. So Keenum was viewed as a short-term fix out of the gates, and yet, especially down the stretch of this season, as, as things started to go sideways, he's every time he's in front of the media, he's talking about what it means to be a franchise quarterback, franchise this, franchise that. But clearly, Zach, at this point, on the heels of 6-10, and 10, the Broncos realize that the way they've been butting their heads against the wall with these stop gaps, as you say, you know, putting Band-Aids over bullet holes, at some point something's got to give. they got to switch their philosophy up. they got to turn over a new leaf. they got to make a change. And I think this is Elway not so much sending a smoke signal, he's telegraphing to the fan base that, look, this time around, 2019 is about literally turning over a new leaf. We're going young. We're finding our future franchise quarterback. Case Keenum might be a part of the short-term future of the Denver Broncos, but he's nothing more than that. Elway, uh, in his season-ending press conference, also mentioned the word evolving and wanting to become new age. And then he removed Gary Kubiak with at the behest of Vic Fangio, more than likely, and installed Rick Scangarello. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Chad? You got it. We had a little, little pronunciation guide off the show, off the air. Yep. Um, anyway, they, they, they brought him in for young offensive innovation, a younger guy with new age schemes under Kyle Shanahan. Why would you go out then and then bring in Joe Flacco? To me, it, that's what, it, it, like you said, the breadcrumbs and the smoke signals lead me to believe finally, and it was a huge admission by Elway. I was surprised yep. that he would swallow his pride so easily, and he's growing as a GM. It's no coincidence the Broncos are better now because Elway is receiving input. He's growing. Um, he's learning. He's admitting his mistakes. He's failing, and it makes him better. And that's one thing here with quarterback. He's knowing that Kubiak and his West Coast system would not thrive in today's NFL. He needs someone younger. They did not get a younger head coach. They got a younger offensive coordinator. They wouldn't bring in Joe Flacco to run that ship. It's not a long-term fix. It's a Case Keenum. He wants a younger guy. Who is that guy, though? That's a million-dollar question. Right, and what he said also, I mean, he talked about Keenum being a short-term fix, but in the same breath said, we got to find that long-term guy. Right. And so we're going to spend some time in the mailbag in particular talking about some who that long-term guy might be, uh, flush that out a little bit more. But it's definitely an indictment. You know, if you're Case Keenum, you're hearing that, you kind of know where the bear goes number two in the woods now. You at least know where you stand, right? And if you're right. Case Keenum and his agent, you are on full alert for you're putting you getting you're calling your real estate agent. You're saying, hey, look, we're we're probably gonna have to put the old house on the market here soon. So be ready. You know, start feeling it out. Look for some buyers because there's a good chance I'm gonna be going somewhere else, even in 2019. Because although the Broncos owe him seven million guaranteed this year, 
I don't think he stays in Denver unless he accepts a contract of, hey, look, we'll keep you in Denver to be our – because the one thing he would be really good at for the Broncos, they get some value. Jared Goff has talked about it. He would be a great veteran to help mentor a young guy. And so if the Broncos call him up and they say, hey, look, we're facing facts. We're moving on as a as an organization. We're going to go young. We're basically doing what the Rams did a couple years ago. We're going for a quarterback high in the draft. We can envision you being a part of that, but we're not going to pay you anything more than we're on the hook for now. So if you're willing to accept $7 million guaranteed to stick around and be that guy for us in 2019, by all means, we want to keep you in Denver. What are your thoughts? And if Keenum says no to that, I, I could see the Broncos just ripping off the Band-Aid and cutting him, to be honest. Even though mm. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm not making that as any kind of a prediction. I'm just telling you, I could see that happening. Now, our Eric Trickle has said that, and this is something VIPs are aware of. I'll, I'll let it s- slip here. Uh, I won't talk too much about it. But the Broncos, I'll just put it this way. The Broncos are not, they're not ruling out the possibility, albeit a slim one because of his contract, of being able to trade Keenum to a quarterback needy team out there, and especially ones with solid defenses and ones who might have not only that quarterback need, but perhaps a coach who has some kind of history or tie to Keenum. And the team they're looking at in particular are the New York Giants, and specifically to see what happens with Eli Manning. If Eli is jettisoned, traded, released, whatever it might be, you might be able to talk a guy like Shermer, Pat Shermer, who was the brainchild behind Keenum's 2017 one-year wonder season in Minnesota, you might be able to talk him, Zach, into, hey, you know, and even Keenum might be willing to talk about a renegotiation at uh, his the final year of his Broncos deal to go back to play with Shermer, and then you unload Keenum, and you can move forward fresh. I just I don't see that happening. I don't see why another team would trade for him and give up assets when players like Flacco, Tannehill, those quarterbacks will be available. Why would you give up a pick for Case Keenum, who's not better than them, and his salary is what it is? Even if he takes a, a pay cut, I don't see another team trading for him. But if he does take a haircut, as Derek Wolf would like to say, yep. I would love him as a veteran backup. Like you said, be perfect mentor for a young player like a Daniel Jones, like a Drew Locke, someone like that who's still a little raw around the edges, but I think Keenum can help him and progress. Even as a Band-Aid, hold the fourth starter for just one more year, but knowing the Broncos have that young franchise quarterback on the roster and he's developing, that would be encouraging. Under those scenarios, I'm fine with it, but the the worst case to me is the Broncos have Keenum as a starter at his current salary and no young, exciting quarterback behind him. They have to have a guy they can mold as a long-term fix because Case Keenum is not it. If he even sticks around this year, which yeah. I th- I have a feeling he will, it's definitely his last. It, it, there's no question he will not be back after the season. There, there are certainly more obstacles to moving Keenum and even parting with him than there, there are the other way around. The odds tell us in some form or another he's probably going to be in the orange and blue in 2019, but Elway's comment there, short-term fix, made it clear where the Broncos' heart lies, where their focus is going to be in 2019. And as I wrote in a VIP article earlier this week, he's the breadcrumbs he's dropping are kind of, to me, they're harbingers of a Broncos team that are going to be extremely aggressive in yep. 2019. So let's also talk about the other quick storyline. We don't need to dwell on this because I think most fans kind of want to... This story blew up for us on the website, um, but I think most fans on an emotional level, Zach, they want to move on. But another mm-hmm. thing that that Elway brought up in his conversation with Peter King 
was basically admitting that he botched the Vance Joseph hire. And I just want to read this quote verbatim real quick for our listeners in case you might have missed the article. Here's the full quote in which he references Vance. He says, quote, The key thing I learned, and again, before I read this, this speaks to, Zach, what you were saying earlier, that you know, even though he's had a tremendous amount of success in the NFL, Elway, as a GM, Elway is learning through this recent years of failure. He's learning on the job, so to speak. He's evolving himself as a GM. And this yep. is a sign. He talked about it on Black uh, Monday that he is looking in the mirror. Here's a sign of that quote. The key thing I learned in the coach selection process, cover your bases thoroughly and get the best candidates that you can and don't make your mind up going in. Don't draw any conclusions before you go into the coaching interviews. Take each, each interview in the moment and do not pre-draw it. Don't combine it with the other ones and don't make your mind up when you walk out. Be as thorough as you can and try to find the right guy that fits your job at that point in time. So that's what I learned. I've probably pre-drawn my thought process going in before. I talked to Vance Joseph before the process a couple years ago and I knew him going in. And I had an idea that he was kind of our guy. I admit it. I was wrong on that one. I don't like to say it out loud because I don't want to offend VJ, who is a good football coach, but things didn't work out. Close quote, Zach. Uh, my, my first thought was when I read that quote, I was saying to myself, imagine going into an interview with Kyle Shanahan knowing you're about to hire Vance Joseph. I, I just – it baffles my mind that A, he would even go through with that, and B, he would even admit that out loud. That he would have pre-drawn conclusions and know beforehand out of three people that he would hire, which was uh, – that candidacy was low to begin with in that coaching search. And one of them was Vance Joseph. And you, you whatever reason, I still don't understand to this day why he fell in love with VJ. But then to hone in on him and to bypass the son of a legendary Broncos coach for a guy with one year as a coordinator – it, it baffled me. I mean, I, I like that he admitted that, and he is growing, and he is admitting defeat and swallowing his pride, and he is a better GM because of that. But I cannot believe that actually happened. Uh, I just uh, I was blown away. But it also kind of sheds light on what his thought process was this time around in the coaching process. And it's just as we had been uh, hearing from our sources, buzz around the league, Elway went into each interview with an open mind, and he might have had his front runners. He might have gone into, you know, these uh, successive interviews. For example, he goes into Chuck Pagano with the first one and goes, you know, I liked what I saw, et cetera, et cetera. Next one is uh, Zach Taylor. And then by Friday on the third one with Munchak, he's going, he's coming out of that one even more blown away than out of any of the previous ones. He's starting to formulate kind of his power rankings and his priorities. And it seemed like Munchak was going to be the guy. All indications pointed excuse me, all indications pointed to Munchak being the hire, but he kept his mind open, Zach. He kept room for the final interview, Vic Fangio, on Monday at the 11th hour to basically you know, swing his, his decision-making process, and that's exactly what happened. It was organic, and frankly, that's the way things should be. It's okay, I think, to, just as he talked about it on Black Monday, having kind of an idea or an outline or a blueprint of the type of guy you're looking for, but you got to go into each interview with a complete open mind, leaving room for them to either blow you away, win you over, or completely turn you off and allow you to move on. You said it. You said that it should have been that way, and that's what I was thinking when you were saying that, is like, why are we complimenting him for having an open mind in the head coaching search? He's the NFL GM of a major organization. Why, would, why is that going out of our way to compliment him? 
That's that's a bare minimum thing. So, you know, I, I like the fact that he's growing and he does deserve praise because he's nailed this coaching search with Fangio and all the assistants. But in the past, I mean, he hired four head coaches now. And, and I, I guess the assumption is the other three he had pre drawn you know conclusions on i just i don't understand how we can do that as an nfl gm but i'm glad that he dropped that and it's no coincidence that when he stopped doing that and he had an open mind uh vic fangio got the job he was the right man for the job you know i mean he knew going in that he wanted john fox he specifically pursued and targeted gary kubiak and in the third opportunity with vance kyle shanahan and of course dave tobe our boy um, he had his mind made up in all three cases. So it this got worse very... and worse and worse, though. Con- consecutively worse in all three times. That's right. And, I mean, you could say that he was and, – and he even stood up in, in Black Monday and said, look, you know, I think I made the right decision with John Fox. Even though things soured at the end, he, we did a lot of winning. Gary Kubiak was clearly the right decision because we immediately won a Super Bowl. He stepped down, you know, basically – intimating that, hey, who knows how it would have worked out if Gary wouldn't have stepped down. I couldn't have controlled that. I couldn't have foreseen that. That was a freak right. thing. This is the one really, you know, he got wrong. Straight up, plain and simple. Vance Joseph was in over his head. But let's let's move this forward. I think it portends well at the end of the day for this, you know, you talk about a mighty change of heart, not only as a GM, as a president of football operations, but as an organization. And that's exemplified, I think, by Vic Fangio. And if you look at that and watch his interview or excuse me his press conference Vic Fangio I mean it was a breath of fresh air this is a guy yep. who knows what he's about and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do to help turn this thing around but as much as Nick Kendall and I in fact he just sent me an article that's going to be publishing here soon on the website Nick Kendall is exciting as it is to have the right coaching pieces in place and you got to have them the other component is this team can only go so far until they find the quarterback. And so right. that's got to be top priority, I think, if you're John Elway and the Broncos in 2019. You're admitting that Case Keenan was a short-term fix, and you're moving your focus completely on moving whatever mountains you got to to get the guy. Listen, they have to answer a lot of questions still. They don't have a franchise quarterback. Elway still is not out of the woods with his decisions in the past yet. They have some roster holes. But I will say with the hiring of Vic Fangio and the assistance he's put together, the future is very, very bright with the Broncos. I would not even rule out. And I know it's very early. It's still January. The season just ended before I talk about the next one. I would not even rule out the Broncos going from you know the basement back to being a contender under Vic Fangio right away. I think he has that pull. I think Elway is moving forward in that direction, get the Broncos back on that track. They have to answer the quarterback. I, I fully agree with Nick. It all starts and stops at the quarterback. But if they can just get a guy on the roster, it doesn't matter how or what it costs potentially. If they get a guy on the roster, they think can be the franchise guy, they have a very bright future ahead. Let's also talk about what happened with Gary Kubiak because when last we met with you guys on the podcast – we obviously knew about the falling out with Vic Fangio and Gary Kubiak and John Elway and that a divorce appeared to be imminent, and it has officially occurred. Zach, Gary Kubiak signed with the Minnesota Vikings as some kind of offensive guru. He's not officially the coordinator, but he's an offensive advisor of some kind. But basically, he's the brainchild that's going to lay out the offense. They have a coordinator. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how that all plays out in terms of practical application, but Bottom line is, Kubiak's gone. Turning the page, the Broncos are moving on, Kubiak moved on. What were your thoughts on, I mean, we, we saw this coming, but what were your thoughts on this officially, this divorce officially taking place? 
Uh, this was an extension of how I felt when they ruled out Kubiak as a coordinator. The Broncos made the right decision, and Kubiak made the right decision for him, himself. He wanted his guys. He brought in Dennison and Pariani with him. brought in Clint Kubiak as the quarterback's coach. And, and it's a good situation there. They're a contending team. Uh, Kirk Cousins is his type of quarterback, Kubiak. So that's a good situation for him. And the Broncos, um, I give Fangio a lot of credit. He came in right away and dissolved a 30-year partnership between Elway and Kubiak. And it was for the best. The Broncos had to make that move, and I was so thrilled when they did. I was not looking forward to a Kubiak-led offense. Now they have Scangarello under their uh, leadership, and I think they're going in the right direction. So uh, it's good for both sides. Uh, It's it's a little weird that he's gone, and I hope the Broncos don't miss his scouting prowess, though, because they killed the draft last year, and some of that had to do with Kubiak. But we will know for sure whether it's Russell in Elway or whether it was Kubiak uh, this April. Yep. And even I've been told that Vance Joseph had a big role in last year's draft, too, as far as targeting uh, team captains and leaders and guys who are graduated and seniors and all that stuff. So it will be interesting, but that'll come out, the proof of that, in the pudding. But, yeah, as we've been telling you guys, you know, look, this is for the best. The Broncos, too long under John Elway, have kind of lived under the – you know, fraternal sense of let's get the band back together. You know, let's live in the past. It's a model that's worked before, three world championships now. And it was time to to turn the page and evolve and move on. So this was for the best. But I think other than some of the Antonio Brown news, I I guess we can talk about that real quick before we take a Mm -hmm. break. The Broncos were tied to Antonio Brown as a potential suitor in a a trade uh, this coming spring. Also, there was the back-and-forth Twitter feud that took place between Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown, both of whom were um, on the 2010 Pittsburgh Steelers draft class. Sanders, surprisingly, was drafted earlier than Brown. Sanders in the third round by the Steelers, Brown in the sixth round. So they were teammates for four years before Sanders moved on to Denver, and then they were feuding on Twitter. But where do you see Antonio Brown, or do you see Zach, Antonio Brown at all fitting in to Denver's. We've talked about, I've talked about the feeling you have too of the Broncos being aggressive in 2019. Where do you think, do you think Antonio Brown fits into that at all? I mean, there's being aggressive and they're just being stupid. I just don't see him being a need right now. They're not one player away from winning a title. He would be really good on a team like the Niners, who have a franchise quarterback and a young up-and-coming team, not with the Broncos, who have young receivers who need to develop. Three young receivers. They have Emmanuel Sanders, who still played very well before his injury. If he can recover, he's under contract for this season. I I would hope that he stays. I I never thought it was very likely that it would be Sanders and Antonio Brown the same team again, but this should dissolve any hope that Broncos fans had about Antonio Brown. I caught some flack on Twitter about uh, my uh, disinterest in the move, but I just don't see how it would benefit the Broncos at all and I'm glad it won't happen and I just I based on his attitude alone I mean I would not welcome that into a locker room with a head coach a new head coach in a culture change who is no nonsense no BS he's the godfather he's not going to stand for that yep I could not agree more you know as I said on on Twitter that if this were a 2014 Broncos with Peyton Manning and you're kind of one weapon away from getting over the hump again offensively no I question, maybe, I do it. Yeah. I could, I could be persuaded, but with the team culture right now, basically uh, needing to be completely revamped and rebuilt, you don't want to bring in a cancer and an expensive, t- albeit talented, but an expensive cancer at that. And older, rock. yeah, he's up there. I mean, he's from the 2010 draft class, so he's he's north of 30. So 31. It's all, I mean. it's all downhill from here, yep. and the Broncos basically have. Emmanuel Sanders, which might be a lesser version of Antonio Brown, but they've already got a guy like that that they can 
a veteran to show the young guy rope the young guy's ropes and it's just I don't think it's a fit I think that of all the things I've heard uh, in this last week that's the one thing that to me I don't really find any veracity in terms of the Broncos being tied to Antonio Brown I agree I, I would please let Cortland Sutton eat please let Deshaun Hamilton develop please let Tim Patrick develop yep. they have a good receivers coach they have Hopefully they'll have a franchise quarterback. I mean, they they have some money to throw around. I'd rather the Broncos get Golden Tate, let's say, if they need a, a veteran until Sanders gets healthy or if he gets released. I, I just to give up a draft pick and a, a huge salary for a diva and a cancer and a locker room lawyer. I am just completely against that. No, so. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into this new coaching staff. There's only one or two positions that are yet to be filled. But when we come back, Zach and I are going to dive in and go through each coaching hire and position the way it stands under Vic Fangio in 2019. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the Denver Broncos have pretty much filled their coaching staff out under Vic Fangio. The only spot that has not officially been solidified is quarterbacks coach. What I've heard, because the idea is they were keeping that open with the idea of possibly this this Kubiak-Fangio marriage working in a sense where Clint Kubiak would step into the full-on quarterbacks coach because he served as an offensive assistant in that realm working with the quarterbacks last year. But this year it would be him stepping forward fully as quarterbacks coach. Well, that's over and done with. What I've heard is that the Broncos are mulling over the idea of keeping Mike Sullivan in place. And with a guy like Rich Scangarello now hired and under contract, the Broncos can probably afford to drag their feet a little bit and figure out exactly what they want to do there. But let's go through it real quick. Obviously, Fangio, uh, let's go through the coordinators. First and foremost, let's talk about Ed Donatel, who mulled over uh, offers from Chicago, who he's been with for the last four years. And... 
following Vic Fangio to Denver. He ultimately chose to return to Denver. This will be Donatel's third stint with the Denver Broncos, and a lot of fans can remember him working as the secondary coach under the Denver Broncos in the late 90s from 95 to 99, where he was a part of that coaching staff that brought home back-to-back world championships for the city of Denver. And then he even came back under Josh McDaniels for a two-year stint. After that, he followed Fangio to San Francisco, where he worked as a secondary coach, and then the same role in Chicago. So these two are united. This time he's defensive coordinator, Zach, but it's more of a nominal role because, as Fangio said and you've reported, Fangio is going to continue to call the plays. Yeah, it's just a title-only job for him, but I love the get for the Broncos as a secondary coach. What a massive upgrade on Joe Woods and Marcus Robertson, Ed Donatel, uh, would be. He coached a couple pro bowlers last year in Chicago in their secondary. Kyle Fuller had, had a great season under his tutelage, and he kind of uh, brought him back and resurrected him, and it makes me wonder if he can do the same with Bradley Roby, potentially. They have uh, Isaac Yadam in the secondary, Brendan Langley. They have some uh, pieces they have to mold, and I think as a secondary coach, I think that's where he'll lend his expertise, not, you know, not having to worry about game planning or play calling, I think he'll help this Broncos secondary. So in that sense, I love the hire. And you needed the right guy as a coordinator that was willing to come in and serve the role in a nominal sense. You're basically defensive coordinator in name only with your head coach calling the plays. It's basically the same way that any, like Kubiak as head coach, he was the head coach. Rick Dennison was offensive coordinator, but it was Kubiak calling the plays, not Dennison. So Donatel is going to be heavily involved in coaching and teaching. He's going to be heavily involved in dialing up game plans and scheming. But in terms of calling the signals on game day, that's going to be Vic Fangio. So if you were looking for that profile of a guy, plus he's got experience working with Fangio, I mean, it was a no-brainer and a really solid get for the Broncos. Plus, it it, it kind of extends that Chicago to Denver pipeline, and the Bears have a lot of free agents this offseason, including a couple in the secondary, uh, Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos, that I want the Broncos to really target. So it only helps them more there. And I, it was a great hire, and it's like you said, great point. It's a very low ego job. Leave your egos at the door because yep. you're just the coordinator in title only. Yep. The next one, of course, this one was in doubt because originally the San Francisco 49ers denied Denver's request to interview Rich Scangarello. And by the way, it was the Broncos via press release that let us know, hey, all you guys have been pronouncing his name wrong. It's not Scangarello. It's Scangarello, <laughs> which both of us were. You know, I didn't know that until I read the press release. But anyway, so the Broncos initially request Scangarello. Kyle Shanahan says no. And then Elway has to work the back channels with his boy, John Lynch, in order to get the door open. Rich Scangarello interviews, and there was a little bit of a gap in time where they're, it sounds like, hammering out details. Uh, To me, it sounds like the Niners offered to sweeten his contract if he would stay. And so the Broncos had to really get their ducks in a row and say, how bad do we want this guy? Because if we do, we've got to pony up some coin. And anyway, they eventually came to an accord. And the Broncos get a 24-year coaching veteran. But he only brings four years of NFL experience to the table. Of course, he really earned rave reviews the last two years as the quarterback's coach in San Francisco. Not because the Niners had a bunch of or great league success, but specifically his position. You want to talk about outkicking your coverage. I mean, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo comes in via trade in 2017, goes undefeated when he's finally inserted. And then this past year when Garoppolo goes down, you know, C.J. Beathard was kind of just meh, but Nick Mullins, who Rich Gangarello identified in the draft pre-draft process in 2017 and 
was basically instrumental in getting him signed by the Niners. I mean, Nick Mullins went on to, if he would he started eight games for the Niners, if he would have started a full season, he was on pace to pass for 26 touchdowns, okay? Case Keenum mm. threw 18, and he's a six-year veteran. So that's why, and you reported on this on Friday, Zach, that Scangarello is, is he's a rising star coach in the NFL. This is an extremely good get for the Broncos, notwithstanding that he doesn't have a ton of NFL experience, but he exemplifies this one foot in the old ways because he comes from the Shanahan tree of understanding the West Coast offense and the philosophies that have predominated and won Super Bowl after Super Bowl in the NFL dating back to Bill Walsh while also having one foot in the cutting edge of what's taking place offensively with these college schemes being grafted in and merged in. So, you know, once a guy like Zach Taylor was off the table getting a job in, in Cincinnati, I don't think the Broncos could have found, really, a better candidate to come in and, and coordinate the offense than Rich Gangarello. No, it, admittedly, I wanted uh, Zach Taylor or Todd Munkin, someone like that. I never even thought to look at the Kyle Shanahan tree. Everyone's just obsessed about Sean McVay right now. Uh, but I love this hire so much because, they, like I said, we, I talked about this at length already, but they had to go younger, just add a more cutting-edge offense, RPOs, uh, moving pockets, more pass-heavy, not so much run-heavy, more man-blocking, not so much zone-blocking. They had to go kind of in that direction, and I think they got the right guy for the job. One more Keenum Mullins comparison real quick mm-hmm. Mullins had a higher quarterback rating 98 90.8 Keenum was 81.2 yeah I mean I watched Mullins play against the Broncos 332 yards and two touchdowns I was impressed oh yeah and not so much at his arm talent per se even though it is evident but also the way Kyle Shanahan and, and Scangarello and the 49ers schemed around Vance Joseph and the Broncos it was watching real offensive football I was so jealous that's why I'm so pumped the Broncos got someone from that tree so um, they had to go in that direction I love it and you mentioned negotiations I want to throw one little theory out there real quick mm-hmm. maybe they had a little deal, a little, you know, wink, nod deal. You take Nick Mullins off our hands for a third round pick. Let's say we'll give you Scangarello. Mm. Maybe they flip a quarterback. They have three quarterbacks on the roster. Garoppolo will be back healthy. I think they like Beathard as the backup. You never know, Chad. You never know. I mean, the Broncos do need to have a developmental guy. Nick Mullins, you know, for all of his qualities, though, he is, you know, he's got some upside, but he's not going to be your franchise-changing quarterback. And even the Niners know that, obviously. I mean, there's a reason why they went after Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm not saying you're wrong. Tinfoil hat on, all things considered, you got to wonder why suddenly San Francisco was willing to let him go. Who knows? We'll see how that right. unfolds. But another thing that this move signifies to me is, and I wrote about this on Friday, is that this is a, a coordinator, Rich Gangarello, who – you know, he's not going to be the the deciding factor, obviously. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's John Elway's job. But this is a guy that is going to help identify, develop, and coach the next franchise quarterback for the NF, uh, for the Denver Broncos. And that was a key aspect of this hire when, in terms of finding the right offensive coordinator. Had to be a guy who can coach a young player, get him up to speed relatively quickly. And if you look at Nick Mullins and even C.J. Beathard, both those guys played with tremendous poise that belied their their relative age and inexperience in the NFL. 
I'm listen. I don't want to say that I'm advocating for a, a Mullins trade, but I mean, you bring him in for a third or fourth round pick, and you can still draft a quarterback at ten. Then you have a a third stringer in Mullins, a good a dependable backup. Then you have the franchise quarterback at ten, the rookie, and you still have Keenum, the hold the fork guy on the roster. So yeah. I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just saying right. that in that scenario, it does it sound good. Yeah, and and that's his coaching. And you make a great point because the Broncos have to sell to that next franchise quarterback. Listen, we have a young up and coming coordinator, a guy who knows what it takes to win in today's NFL working under one of the, the youngest brightest stars in Kyle Shanahan that wouldn't inspire much confidence if his name was Gary Kubiak that's all I'm saying that's right so those are the two big hires on the coordinator level obviously Vic Fangio made a great decision to retain Tom McMahon as special teams coordinator because McMahon came in last year replacing the beleaguered Brock Olivo and stabilized Denver's third phase and really elevated it after a Rocky situation with Marquette King. The Broncos paid him a little bit of money, comes in, gets injured, doesn't play well. He, McMahon, went out, found Colby Wadman, brought him in as a failsafe, and he's like, look, this guy's kicking better than the guy we paid money. Let's just cut. I'm, I, I can sanction, I can rubber stamp you, your decision, Elway, to cut Marquette King, and that's what happens. But at first it didn't look good. Wadman came in, shanked some punts in key moments, he oh, was, was terrible. pretty shaky, but by season's end, he had actually become quite a weapon for the Denver Broncos, and that's Tom McMahon. The, the Broncos led the league in block kicks last year. You know, if you could get Tom McMahon some talent at returner, you, he might be able to work some miracles there. And then the only other thing is Brandon McManus, you know, I still I don't trust him anymore. Between the ears, <laughs> he's, you know, he's got a big leg, but you get him past 45 yards, definitely past 50, and you might as well just chalk it up. He's going to miss the field goal. So that's the thing with Tom McMahon, I think, is he's got to try and fix Brandon McManus, get him back to the Super Bowl, Brandon McManus. But other than that, I mean, McMahon is one of the more highly regarded special teams coordinators in the league. So Fangio, I think, was wise to keep him on. And let's be fair to McManus. He had a much better year this year than 2017. He rebounded in a big way. And, you know, I, I agree with you. He's still not Mr. Automatic. He's still not McMoney, as people call him in the past, but he's still one of the better kickers. And the entire unit of the Broncos special teams got better under McMahon's leadership. The kickoff and punt uh, coverage units were much better. The whole, you know, the whole operation was night and day better under under McMahon, a veteran established coach, than Brock Olivo, a first-timer coach. So, uh, yeah, it was a no-brainer. Uh, him and, and Bill Kalar, those were two guys that had to be back. The big news, obviously, that actually um, predated the addition of Scangarello was the Broncos being able to lock down Mike Munchak. So, he finishes as the runner-up for the head coaching gig, and the Broncos did a good job closing the deal, you know, getting him over the hump, but they also benefited from the football gods placing Mike Munchak's daughter and grandkids <laughs> in the city of Denver where, right. you know, he wants to wants to be close to him. So the Broncos probably made it a pretty sweet deal to come in as a position coach, make some additional, probably more money than he was making in Pittsburgh, be close to his grandkids. And when you're talking about a first-time NFL coordinator in Scangarello, relative inexperience, four years only of NFL coaching experience, you team him up with a, a veteran like Mike Munchak, suddenly you've got the, the peace of mind of knowing that you know you can cross that concern off. And then just what it, what it implies for the offensive line, especially guys like Garrett Bowles, 
Connor McGovern, and really anyone that the Broncos have on on the roster at the offensive line. It's just an enormous get in that sense. I think you're going to see, no matter who the quarterback is in 2019, you're going to see an improved pass blocking unit. You're going to see an improved run blocking unit. And just overall, you're going to get better development out of your young offensive line players. And that includes especially, and I'm really excited for what this could mean for Garrett Bowles. I mean, this has got to go down as one of the better NFL hires in recent history. I mean, to get a head coaching candidate as your assistant, you know, your offensive line coach as an assistant, the best OL coach in the game. The Broncos already had the best offensive line coach. Now they have the best OL coach. And you still win in the trenches. And I could not be happier. You put him on staff with Vic Fangio. You're talking a quick culture change. You're talking a quick turnaround. It's going to make Garrett Bowles better. Um, we talked about this on, on the last show. If Matt Paradis comes back, uh, he'll be a pro bowler, I believe, under Munchak's guidance. Uh, Ronald Leary, another guy, pro bowler potential. Connor McGovern, uh, the right tackle. I have no worries now whoever steps into that role. It just makes everyone around um, in that position better. Yep. And it's going to turn a position of weakness, a long weakness, into a strength. So home run grand slam. I still can't believe they got him, but uh, it, it's a tremendous, tremendous addition. And as a side note, I mean, it's not an immediate thing. It's not a division f- opponent, but it weakens a conference opponent in a good way mm, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there's that silver lining as well. And then the other off, uh, off team hire was Wade Harmon. So the Broncos parted ways with Jeep Christ and hired Wade Harmon, who has spent the last couple years, last few years really, in Atlanta developing the heck out of Austin Hooper, uh, who became a pro bowler under under Wade Harmon. And then before that, he spent nearly two decades, a decade and a half, in Baltimore coaching Shannon Sharp, coaching Todd Heap, coaching Dennis Pitta, Ed Dixon. So he's got some bona fides. He's widely regarded in the NFL as a, as a high-quality tight ends coach. And this, to me, just kind of speaks to Fangio, what he's looking for in terms of position coaches who can teach and get the most out of their players from a developmental sense and from a teaching perspective. And they've been there and done that. They're respected and renowned, and they have the resume to prove it. I don't know too much about Harmon, but based on what I've read and what I've seen, I mean, he seems like a great coach. He has the experience, like you said. And I thought Chris actually did a pretty good job. I thought he should have returned, but um, I actually like this move. It's going to be big for the Broncos because they have some free agents at tight end. You know, Hireman's still shaky. Jake Butts, an injury risk. Fumagalli didn't play. It's it's interesting mix of talent there. I still think they'll add another one, but they got a good coach who should get the most out of his talent. And like you said, I think Fangio is surrounding himself with experienced guys who've been there in the NFL, knows what it takes, and they can only make every player on this Broncos roster better. And I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, Fangio did exactly as we all expected him to, retain Curtis Modkins at running back and Zach Azani at wide receivers, both of whom just got insane production out of extremely young position rooms last year. Curtis Modkins, I mean, to turn Philip Lindsay from undrafted, not even invited to the combine, to 1,000-yard rusher and a pro bowler, the first offensive uh, player to make the Pro Bowl as an undrafted rookie in NFL history. I mean, it's a credit to Modkins. And even you look at Royce Freeman, who started off the year with a bang. I mean, leading the NFL amongst the leaders anyway in yards after contact, had five touchdowns, finished the season on a little bit more of a slow note after that high ankle sprain, but still eclipsed over 500 yards rushing as a rookie. And then Devontae Booker, he finishes his third year with the highest yards per carry average of his career at 5.4. So you got to love Modkids coming back. And then Zach Azani, you know, he clashed with Sanders initially. 
but Sanders finally bought in. And then, to, I mean, he was on pace for the best season possibly that he would have had as a Bronco before right. he got injured. And then, of course, Sutton, Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and even River Craycraft. I mean, it's, it speaks for itself. Uh, plus, Modkins, Zani, and Fangio were all on staff together in Chicago. So there's familiarity mm. there. And, you know, I, I wasn't fan fans uh, a fan of their hires to begin with last year, but they really surprised me, especially Azani, who didn't have much experience as a wide receivers coach yep. in the NFL, but he did a great, great job uh, with Sutton and Hamilton, Patrick, everyone you mentioned. So um, no-brainers there to retain them. So while we're on the subject, let's just get to on the other side of the ball, the three guys, the Broncos, well, two guys they kept, Bill Kalar, no-brainer, defensive line guy. As we touched on, the Broncos now have two of the best position coaches at their respective positions in the NFL, and they're both trenchmen, so that's good. And then Reggie Herring, who I'm kind of—I was kind of curious. I honestly didn't expect Fangio to keep Herring, um, mm. just because Fangio's uh, scheme is very linebacker dependent. But I think he liked what Herring got out of Brandon Marshall and Danny Trevathan in 2015, and so he's kind of optimistic in being able to work together with with Reggie Herring so both those guys return Zach no real shocker and I'm I mean obviously it's a great coup to be able to hold on to Bill Kalar, who also has family in the area which is a big help for the Broncos uh and Reggie Herring I don't think it's hurting anything to have him there but I was curious that they possibly didn't bring someone else that Fangio might have had experience coaching the position with in previous stops yeah, they would have had pitchforks in Dove Valley. They would have fired Bill Collar, the best in the business. Um, Reggie Herring, though, he I believe last year, didn't he coach defensive linemen or pass rushers? He double-dipped a little bit, so maybe Fangio yeah. likes his versatility there. I don't know. I mean, maybe he never, didn't have another person in mind, but he did hire an outside linebackers coach. Yep. Brought in his own guy, Brandon Staley. So Yeah, let's talk about nice him. Let's talk about Staley. He, you know, it looks like he could be Jack Nicholson's son, if you look <laughs> at his picture. Um <laughs> But he's a guy. Here's some cool information about Brandon Staley. He's he's relatively young, but he does have 14 years of coaching experience. And last season, the Chicago Bears finished well in the two years he coached for the Bears. So 2017, 2018 under Fangio, coaching the outside backers. The Bears over that two-year span finished second in the league in total sacks with 92. And then the Bears linebackers accounted for 51 of those 92 sacks, which was the third most in the league for a linebacker group. So the Broncos, they're they're trying to extrapolate that onto Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, who combined for 26 and a half sacks or whatever it was last season, and they're seeing great things on the horizon. So if you're looking, and and even Fangio Zach in in his introductory presser said, yeah, you know, I'm going to bring in a position coach. They're going to do their job on the outside linebackers, but that's my area of expertise where I'm also going to be chipping in on the coaching. Yeah, I think Staley did a good job last year, and I'm not going to give him too much credit with Khalil Mack because Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack, but one guy that I liked that he did a lot with was Leonard Floyd as a yep. pass rusher. Right. Uh, he had four sacks, an interception, a touchdown, 47 tackles. Um, I look for that development. You know, Vaughn is Vaughn, but I look for um, Staley to get the better out of Jeff Holland, let's say. You know, mm-hmm. I know what Vaughn's going to do, but I want to see him develop the younger talent because that's the one deficiency on the Broncos' last coaching staff was that not one player progressed. I mean, at least on defense. I mean, with the exception of Shelby Harris, let's say, who really blossomed, especially say, in the secondary. I would say Adam Gotts. This is one guy you could throw That's true. in there. But, but in the Eli. secondary. In the secondary. I mean, you yeah. have two third-round picks who were both inactive at one time, so or you're not playing. So I, I look for development. And what I saw from you know Floyd last year was very encouraging. And he knows the system. It's going to ease that transition. And as Fangio, as a head coach, he's not just the defensive coach now. He's going to have to teach his defense and need some assistance and some delegation. That's why he has Donatel here. That's why he has um, uh, Staley here now. 
This was cool. The other new hire here. Ronaldo Hill, most Broncos fans, it's not going too far back, can remember him being uh, the free agent pickup alongside Brian Dawkins in 2009 under Josh McDaniels. He served as the free safety to Brian Dawkins' strong safety for two years for the Broncos. He has been a hot young coach. He went to Miami, had some success down there as an assistant secondaries coach, helped to get Xavier Howard to the Pro Bowl. He's... He was in demand, and the Broncos were able to lock him down, get him here as a former player, which was exciting. You know, we were all kind of hoping, as is kind of a pie-in-the-sky hope, that maybe it would be Champ Bailey. But the Broncos mm-hmm. still got a former player to co- help coach the position and a guy who is a rising star in the coaching realm at that. Yeah, it's another figurehead role because Donatello is also a secondary coach, so yeah. I'm sure he'll be lending his insight there. Hill was a former player. I was hoping for Bailey, like you said, or maybe even Steve Atwater, just a, a former legend. Love it. Um, but, you know, he did good in Miami. Xavier and Howard had a tremendous year last year, and they had some good players in that secondary. So um, I think it'll be, you know, be a fruitful addition. Then lastly, Fangio chose to retain Lauren Landau. Now, I've spoken publicly about my misgivings with regard to Landau after Luke Richardson left. I mean, the the plague of injuries the Broncos suffered last year. I just, I'm not a big believer in coincidence. And Mm -hmm. hopefully this time around, maybe there's some things that can be learned from what the Broncos went through. You know, it was his first year as an NFL strength and conditioning coach. He's got a long history as a uh, strength and conditioning and, and, uh, you know, in that realm, and even Philip Lindsay has credited him multiple times in different uh, scenarios for helping get him ready for the draft process. You know, he didn't get drafted, but he got him ready from a physical standpoint, rocked and rolled on his pro day, which is ultimately what helped seal the deal so that after the draft, even though he didn't hear his name called, Philip Lindsay's phone exploded with a few, a handful of teams that were hot on his trail pushing really hard to get him signed, and the Broncos were one of them. So, Lauren Lando, you have to thank in some sense for the Broncos getting sweet on Philip Lindsay. I can't say I'm super pumped up about his return, but I can't say I'm surprised either. I think what the Broncos will do, because of how well uh, regarded he is in the local market with all the players working with him, they'll give him one more year just to see if those injuries were a fluke or if there was some more to it, if he yeah. was his uh, his program. So I was not surprised at all. Um, they could do better, I feel like, than than this guy, but uh, I think they'll get, you know, they're going to give him one more year and, and hopefully, hopefully knock on wood less injuries. So that's your coaching staff. for As it stands, I mean, it's like 98% complete we'll wait to see what happens with quarterbacks and then of course chris cooper former player uh, is being interviewed about working under mike munchak as an assistant offensive line coach so we'll see how that shakes out we're going to take one more break when we come back we're going to get to the mile high mailbag vip edition vip heavy especially mile high mailbag we'll be right back this is the overtime podcast network Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so it's that time of the week where Zach and I get to take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every episode 
we are here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And this time, again, and we're going to be, this is going to be a theme moving forward. This is a VIP subscriber at Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports centric mailbag. I've told you before, follow the show on Twitter if you want to get questions submitted for the Mile High Mailbag. But if you want to guarantee your question gets answered, you got to go to the website, click on the green banner, become a VIP subscriber. You'll make it in each and every time. And today we're going to start off with a question from NoFlyZone2125, VIP subscriber for, looks like here, 13 months. He says, can't wait. Uh, Been looking every day for a new podcast. Thanks, buddy. My question for the podcast is, how good of a change will this be for the culture of the Broncos with this new coaching staff? And what kind of splash do you guys see us making when it comes to free agency? By the way, I love all your guys' hard work. Appreciate your support, especially being a VIP subscriber. No fly zone, thanks. But what's, uh, let's tackle the first thing here. Culturally, what do you think the implications are with Fangio and as we've seen him flush out his staff uh, for the Broncos? Oh, we've already seen it. I mean, instantly a breath of fresh air. I, I can't remember the last time a coaching staff or a coaching change has drawn more excitement around Dove Valley. I really can't. Um, the fans are supercharged right now. They love the Fangio hire. They love the coaching hires. I mean, you're already feeling that renewed sense of energy within, outside the walls of the building. And you know inside the walls, the players are just as pumped up. Uh, the, they were at the press conference. They read what's going on. They knew they were better than the record indicated last year. So culturally, it's an immediate turnaround. You're going to see a vast improvement simply because the Broncos finally have a competent coaching staff you know leading the controls they don't have an incompetent coaching staff so um, immediate dividends immediate success immediate culture change right away with Fangio no death by inches and he explained that in you know very succinctly but you know it was very vivid at the same time the way he explained what that means as a philosophy and it's, you know, it's it's a sight for sore eyes. You know, use whatever cliche you want to hear. The Broncos need that kind of, not so much a disciplinarian, because that's not exactly what he is, but he's very detail-oriented. He's very much about accountability. But he's also a teacher at heart. That was his first passion. He was going to become a high school teacher, uh, physical education, and then also be a coach, because he loves to teach. So you're going to see great attention to detail, great attention toward development, teaching, and it's going to come out in the wash. And, you know, it might not go right away from first uh, worst to first because the Broncos quarterback situation is so unsettled. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to be able to see a tangible change in this in this team uh, in 2019. Now, the second half of No Fly Zone's question is, what kind of splash do you see the Broncos making? And I'll, I'll start the, the answer off on this one. You know, Eric Trickle did a great job putting together a ridiculous amount of research in a complete 2019 offseason mock for the Denver Broncos. You guys can go check it out on the website now. It's free for everyone to read. But he goes through re-signings, goes through free agent signings, and then a mock draft. And I think basically he's right in what I expect to happen in terms of how the Broncos utilize their cap dollars. And they're going to have a sizable amount of cap space this year. And that is, I think they're going to find a way to get Matt Paradis re-signed. I think they're going to find a way to get Jared Valdir re-signed on the cheap. And then the majority of their cap space, I think they're going to budget toward getting some playmakers on defense back, especially at the linebacker position. A guy like C.J. Mosley you want to keep an eye on, depending on whether or not the Ravens are able to sweet-talk him into staying. And then also a bona fide playmaker at the safety position, someone like Landon Collins. That's how I see the Broncos' free agency in a in a nutshell unfolding, and they saved the draft, Zach, for quarterback early and then restocking the cupboards at some other positions. 
First of all, I don't see the Broncos making a big splash for a quarterback in free agency. No. If they make a big splash, it's going to be through the draft. That's just my personal feeling about right. it. Second of all, I feel like they have to take care of their own players in-house first. Paradis has to lead the list there. Shelby Harris is another one. Uh, Valdir, like you said, Domatot Pecco. They have so many players that need new contracts, maybe even Bradley Roby. Uh, third, they will take a hard, long look at the core of those bearish free agents. There's a need at every position there. I mean, you're talking uh, tackle and Bobby Massey, cornerback uh, and Bryce Callahan, safety and Adrian Amos, uh, uh, Eric Cush, the guard. You're talking mm-hmm. – um, there's so many players a different need for the, for that are free agents. For Aaron Lynch, the outside linebacker for the Bears, could be a Shaq Barrett replacement. So they will look at them first. Maybe they'll target a receiver, uh, Tavon Austin, Golden Tate, if they move on from Sanders. I don't foresee them throwing around money willy-nilly, but they will take care of some of their own players, look at some of the Bears, and then shore up their other spots with some mid-tier free agents. That's just my uh, feeling as, as of now. Next VIP question from the mailbag comes from Stud Lee. Cool name there. Question is, how does Case Keenum fit into Scangarello's scheme offense? And do you anticipate Keenum will be better this year than last year? So let's just answer this question, Zach, with the assumption that he's going to be on the roster. You know, well, no what ifs and none of that. Just assuming Case Keenum is on the roster, how does he fit or does he fit Scangarello's overall scheme, offense, philosophies? And do you think if he ends up, because, you know, the Broncos draft a quarterback, Case Keenum's here to be that uh, veteran to help teach and help guide him along the way, but it probably means he's going to start at least the first quarter of the season. In such a role, would you anticipate Keenum being better this year than last year? He doesn't fit most schemes because he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a backup. But, you know, to answer your question, uh, I think the Broncos are going to be a very run-heavy team next year between the the Kyle Shanahan zone-blocking influences with Scangarello and also Mike Munchak will have a big voice there. Uh, they'd be stupid not to either. They have two great, great running backs in Lindsey and Freeman and maybe even Devontae Booker if they bring him back. And They have a good offensive line built for run-blocking and the best OL coach in the business. So I think you will see a balanced offense and a better offense in terms of hiding Keenum's deficiencies and building up his strengths. When he does throw, it'll be moving pockets, play action. None of these three receivers, you know, shotgun, empty backfield, they will play to his strengths, what little strengths he does have. So in a more balanced offense, a more efficient offense, but if Keenum's a starter, it will not be an explosive offense. I mean, Keenum is, what he's best suited for is a West Coast scheme. I mean, he's best suited to Kubiak, Kubiak, old Mike Shanahan, um, even Shermer in New York. He's not, mm-hmm. and it's kind of you know uh, antithetical because in college he was he's an all-time leading passer in NCAA Division One history, and he ran spread right. He's that was what he put up all those crazy numbers. It hasn't translated his majority of his experience and really what his skill set fits as a smaller quarterback. Doesn't have big hands. Doesn't have great size. Doesn't have a big arm. He's not going to be a huge vertical threat as a passer. He fits the West Coast where. You know the the pass is basically viewed as the as a long run. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it was designed to be a high. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, high completion, high high percentage. That's what I'm looking for. Percentage. Anyway, by Bill Walsh, and in such a scheme, Case Keenum fits because he doesn't have that strong arm. So if he ends up being a quarterback, the Broncos, Scangarello have to rely on for any stretch in 2019. You know, you're going to be in a better position to have a well-coached uh, quarterback, a better-coached quarterback than last year, but you still can't be excited about what that might portend for your Broncos in the win-loss column when it is all said and done. Now, right. next question comes from great listener of the show. She jumped on the four-for-one uh, VIP sale we did a couple weeks ago. Christy, 
Her question is, sorry, she didn't see the link at first. I think she answered first on, on Twitter, but then she came to the, to the thread we're running on our MHH Insiders board for the pod here. Okay, I've had this question reading up on Scangarello and how at a few places he has coached. He's done multiple duties or held multiple positions as a QB coach and offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. She says, I'm sure I'm missing one. Do you think he will provide that type of versatility for the Broncos as well? And she says she likes the VIP question thing, though. Zach, your answer. I appreciate the support, Christy. Um, the versatility with Scangarello is that you're getting a, a coordinator, a play caller, and a quarterback's coach. So that's why I think the the uncertainty around Mike Sullivan is the fact that they're still deciding whether they want Scangarello to wear two hats. And I think that would be the right choice. You don't want to put too much on his plate either because he's a first-time OC, but he does have quarterback experience. So um, you definitely get that versatility. That's one thing that was certainly appealing about him as a candidate and the fact they honed in on him and, and really had no other candidates. I mean, we hadn't heard any other names being floated out there other than Scangarello. So obviously they liked him for a reason. They feel like he fits the new age scheme. Um, he fits what they are about to do in the NFL and, and it kind of evolve to use John Elway's word. And he, she's right. Versatility is the name of the game in the NFL and they got it with their assistant coach and their coordinator. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can probably wear many hats even as a coordinator. But I think he's going to rely on Mike Munchak to basically design the blocking schemes and then he's going to build the offense on top of that is really how I see it unfolding from a building blocks perspective. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy, I think you, you, you said it as succinctly as possible. He's a guy that can do multiple things. And that's why, Zach, I won't be shocked if the Broncos actually drag their feet and maybe don't make a quarterback's mm-hmm. coach hire, at least in yep. if full-time position, maybe some kind of an assistant that's there to help go over cut-ups uh, on the sideline during the games and stuff like that. But uh, we move on here to... VIP subscriber JC3762, 13 months. He's been a VIP. Appreciate you. We can have debates on what will happen and all the different scenarios in the draft, but who do you think the Broncos will take at pick 10? Easy answer. I'm telling you right now, Drew Luck. Zach, your answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a quarterback is the is the uh, the hot answer right now. You got Locke, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray. Um, if it's not a quarterback, though, I, I think it'll be a cornerback. DeAndre Baker was mocked to the Broncos in Mel Kuyper's first mock draft of 2019. Yeah. Uh, you have Greedy Williams out there, Byron Murphy. A lot. Of, it's a very defensive heavy uh, first round of this draft. So if they don't go quarterback, I do like a quarter or I do like a defensive lineman. It's a very very heavy class for defensive linemen. So they'll go either quarterback or defense. <laughs> in round one yeah it might not be drew lock at 10 the broncos might have to move up but i'll be shocked if that's not the broncos pick in the first round in 2019 come hell or high water next question comes from tl vandal 11 13 month also that's a lot of 13 month subscribers so far uh tl <laughs> vandal 11 i want to know how you guys see the scangarello hiring benefiting our 2018 offensive rookies I'm curious if he will use Philip Lindsay more as an offensive weapon and actually split him out wide and what his scheme also might mean for Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, and Deshaun Hamilton. You guys kill it on the pod. Very appreciative of the work you guys put into it so we can all hear the dropping of some Denver Broncos knowledge. Heck yeah. Appreciate you, brother. You're, I mean, how does this portend, in your eyes, Scangarella for that phenomenal 2018 class? And specifically, do you see Philip Lindsay being utilized more as a weapon overall as opposed to just a running back pounding it between the tackles? No question. The Broncos did not hurt for talent last year, the rookie class. They hurt for coaching. 
I mean, they, they Philip Lindsay had a record-setting year with shoddy coaching. Now you put a good coaching staff with him, and look what he can do. It's going to make everyone around them better. I mean, they're going to get them more of the playmakers in space. I mean, how often are we screaming for a Lindsay screen or a Lindsay toss? Some Lindsay creativity. It took Bill Musgrave 12 weeks to finally dial into that. You're not going to see that with Gangarello. You're not going to see that with this coaching staff. It's going to make everyone better because he's going to put them in their best positions to succeed and utilize and maximize their talent. I, for one, though, am interested to see what he can do with, with some tight ends. Jake Budd and Fumagalli or two receiving tight ends, I want to see what they can bring to the table. I want to see what he can mold this whole offense and bring all the pieces together. Yeah. I mean, he's a teacher. He's a developer. Now, obviously, Skangrel's forte is quarterbacks, but that's going to trickle down, and that's really a, a mantra and a theme under Fangio is you're going to see these guys get developed and, and coached. And last year, you know, the rookies at the receiver and running backs positions got great coaching from their position coaches. But what Zach is speaking to are the X's and O's from a play calling and from a philosophical, tactical perspective. Bill game Musgrave, planning. Game planning. I mean, it just left so much to be uh, desired. And so to answer your question, 100%, you're going to see a guy like Philip Lindsay be utilized more intelligently. And it portends well for every young offensive player on that staff. But again, the missing ingredient, they got to get a quarterback. And again, yep. that's also where Scangarello comes in. So uh, that's good too. Now, here's one from Nunzi. I'm a pretty big Drew Locke fan. 29-month VIP subscriber. I'm a pretty big Drew Locke fan after watching more of his tape and highlights throughout his career. With that said, it sounds like the consensus is that Dwayne Haskins is the highest-rated quarterback in the class. Would Denver move up to grab Locke over Haskins, or is their favorite of Locke being due to their particular draft position alone? Before I serve this over to you officially here, Zach, we don't really know, other than you know the Broncos probably like Haskins, we don't know exactly how their board is situated. I think a lot more of their fixation on Locke and why you're hearing his name tied to Denver a lot more right now does Zach have a lot more to do with where they're currently positioned in the draft and the, per- the perception that Haskins is going to be the first quarterback off the board? And also the fact that Locke fits what Elway falls in love yes. with. He's tall with a big arm and, you know, it's everything that Elway loves. So, and like you said, it's so hard to tell on January 18th where the Broncos are going to draft in April. I mean, they, there's so many variables that go in this question. Where players go, what quarterbacks fall. Um, there's a good chance they draft one. If they fall in love with a guy and that guy is to be determined, they might move up for him. And if Elway feels aggressive enough, I think this is the draft where he would move up for a quarterback. But who that quarterback is, we do not know yet. Locke, I think, is the favorite right now because, like I said, he fits what Elway likes. But Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, um, Haskins, if he doesn't go earlier, these are all options for Denver if they go quarterback in round one. Here's an example what Zach's trying to convey to you guys. So you go back to 2016 when the Philadelphia Eagles moved up to get into position at number two to grab Carson Wentz, okay? That was executed April 20th. The draft was, what, maybe not even quite two full weeks later. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that's going to take shape. The boards get, you know, the Broncos, their philosophy from a front office perspective has always been, and I don't expect this to change because it's the right philosophy, is to utilize free agency to fill roster holes. And then that way you know what you're dealing with going into the draft. And so that same holds true for the majority of NFL teams. They're going to fill their holes. And then they're going to reset their priorities going into the draft. And so that's when you're going to start seeing more movement in terms of are there going to be trade-ups? If so, who and where? How's it going to shake out? It won't happen really until after free agency when the board gets set a little bit more concrete 
for the Denver Broncos. And so here's one more. This is a bonus question, Zach, and then we'll get out of here. We're running a little bit long today. He says, this is from No Fly Zone. We answered one from him earlier today, but he had a couple in the mailbag. So we'll, we'll jump on this one. But he says, he just saw recently some things about the Broncos and Kyler Murray. Is this or could this be a possibility? I know John Elway was high on Baker Mayfield last year, and Kyler Murray isn't exactly the same as Baker Mayfield, but he's a hell of a playmaker and a phenomenal arm too. I could see an explosive offense with him and Phillip Lindsay with that speed that would drive teams nuts. I could get behind it. He's kind of an itty-bitty small guy, Kyler Murray. I, I, I hope he allows himself to get measured at the Combine because I really want to know exactly what his measurables are. But what we're hearing is that he's probably going to be, you know, I mean, at this time last year, Baker Mayfield was viewed <clears throat> as a mid-round first pick, early day two quarterback. And through the pre-draft process of the Senior Bowl and Combine, he just blew teams away. And the Browns fell in love with him, and he goes number one overall. Who's to say that couldn't happen with Kyler Murray because the Senior Bowl's next week and then the Combine at the end of February? <clears throat> but as it stands now, what we're kind of hearing is Murray, by most teams, Zach, is viewed as more of an early day two guy. Plus, who's to even say he's going to play football? He might go to the MLB. You know, there's no sure thing yet between now and April. I I, I find it hard to believe the Broncos would draft him at 10. They pull the trigger. I don't think they would trade up for him. But again, it's too early to say. If Kubiak was in the building, he would pound the table for Kyler Murray, I'd feel like. But Elway, uh, it's kind of the antithesis of what he values and sees as a true franchise quarterback. So, any Broncos fans wanting Kyler Murray, if it even declares and enters the NFL, I wouldn't hold your breath. I mean, what I like about Kyler Murray, I mean, there's it, his a talent and ability is undeniable. I mean, notwithstanding right. his size. Size is no longer as big a concern. It still matters, but it's not as big a concern as it once was. But what I like a lot more about a guy like Drew Locke, even compared to Murray or Haskins, is the fact that he's got a, a few years of starting experience in the SEC under his belt. So, you know, he's seen some things and he's battled through adversity and Kyler Murray's year Heisman winner was a whirlwind and he's a phenomenal playmaker and same could be said for Haskins. But both of them at this point are one-year wonders whereas, you know, you look at Baker Mayfield, he really came on strong in his final season at Oklahoma winning the Heisman, but he at least had a couple of years to build up to that point at which Zach he could parlay that into his you know, first year as a rookie starter in Cleveland. Right. I think based on what Elway's done, I mean, with his with getting rid of the coaching moves and everything, the changes in the culture in the Broncos locker room, he's not going to gamble again. He gambled on Paxton Lynch. He gambled on Vance Joseph. Now he's aiming for the sure thing. He got the sure thing at Vic Fangio, and I think he'd want a guy, like you said, you broke it down in a great way, a more uh, experienced guy who has starts under his belt. And when you compare Locke and Murray in those standards, uh, it's no comparison. So we don't know who that guy is, if there even is a guy in this draft. They might wait until 2020. They might wait until 20. 21 we don't know but based on his history i agree with you that i think drew lock will be the guy if they want to go in that direction if i could bet money on it now i would bet the broncos are going to go big on a quarterback in the draft just this year only because elways doesn't have any time left and if he waits till 2020 by the time his his contract is up at the end of 2021 might not have enough time it might not have been enough time for that quarterback to have kicked the can farther enough down the road for him to save his job and we don't know how ownership is going to shake out between now and then so I really feel like Elway from a philosophical perspective as I talked about mighty change of heart 
But also, Zach, this is a guy feeling a freaking sense of urgency right now. And in, and there's a lot of things motivating, I think, that sense of urgency, including the, you know, the shame of, you know, presiding as GM over the first back-to-back losing season since 1972 and wanting to get that taste out of his mouth. What right. happened with Paxton Lynch, the embarrassment of how things unfolded with Chad Kelly. I just think he wants to go out and get that quarterback. You know, he's talking about Keenum being short-term. It's not ideal class compared to 2020. We know that. And I'm not advocating in any way saying 2019 should be the quarterback, the time the Broncos take a quarterback, because it's better than the 2020 class. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that all things being equal, need being what it is, you know, timetables being what they are, then the way the organization is currently poised, I'll be shocked, seriously flabbergasted this time around. If that pick in the first round, wherever they end up picking, is not a quarterback. CC freezing cold take, takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a the only counterpoint I will have to say is three years left on his contract. You really think they're going to let him be a lame duck? So that's two years left, and they might extend him. I mean, I don't know if they were so quick to fire him, and two years is not enough time. You know, to turn around the new head coach. So it's a dilemma. It's a rock and a hard place. But I agree with you. Ultimately, I think at the basis of our points, we yeah. agree the Broncos have to have a franchise quarterback on the roster sooner, not later. That's right. So you guys, we're appreciating you guys, the VIPs, getting those questions in. Each, I'm going to put a thread in the MHH Insiders Forum each episode a couple of days in advance where you guys can get your questions in. So just keep checking back VIPs to the MHH Insiders Board for that. And, of course, we want you to engage in those forums as well. Eric is always posting stuff this time of year about things he's hearing in the draft community and uh, from his sources around the team. And So it's definitely something you're going to want to stay on top of anyway. But we really appreciate your questions. We really appreciate your support as VIP yes. subscribers. And those of you listening who haven't pulled the trigger, you know, we don't have a special going right now, but we're talking about eight ninety-five, nine bucks to be a part of this community, to get access to 100% of the content we publish on the website, get in on this VIP mailbag, and also on all the insider information we pick up along the way, which this is the time of year. You've heard us talk about it before, January through May. This is when we pick up the most information that you're not going to be hearing and reading about on some of our competition out there on all the free blogs and the fan blogs. So give it a, give it some thought. Pull the trigger. It's easy to do. You go to the site. Look for the green banner. Subscribe today, whatever it is. Click on that, and it'll walk you through it. So that's going to do it, though, for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. You can find my partner, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Uh, make sure you're subscribing. iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, uh, I, I guess, uh, Spotify, YouTube. Shout out to you guys. And also, make sure you take some time, leave a creative review, rate the show. We appreciate you. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.